Welcome to another edition of the Midwest Hemp Council audio podcast. I'm your host, Jason Dozier, and in this episode of the Midwest Hemp Council audio podcast, we're going to speak with Joe Fox. Joe is the CEO of Alpine Hemp in North Carolina, and you can find more information about Alpine Hemp at alpinehemp.com. Go check that out, Google it, and you can get that exact address. And again, we're going to speak with Joe. Joe, how you doing this? afternoon just great thanks uh, fantastic well thanks for being on the program and wanted to talk to you quite a bit of things going on here first of all let's talk about the north carolina hemp industry or the hemp market there in your area what got you involved in hemp joe and how long ago was that that you did get involved so uh let's see 2018 end of 2018 okay right after the farm uh, bill yeah, so uh, right before the farm bill was getting ready to get signed, uh, we kind of knew that it had passed and it was going to go through, and a man came to me and said, you need to grow hemp for CBD on your farm. You will make a million dollars your first year. <laughs> Heck of a deal. And you're and not I a millionaire said, yet? I said, sign me up. <laughs> uh, uh, so needless to say, it didn't work out quite the way that um, – this guy had promised when it came to the pie in the sky. So you're not talking um, to me from your million-dollar vacation home? No, no, we're not. But, uh, <laughs> well, what kind of trials and tribulations, in a nutshell, did, did you experience? I mean, obviously, when he told you a million dollars, you knew that wasn't uh, probably accurate. But still, it looked like a, a good opportunity, I'm assuming. So uh, from that point until you actually experienced it, kind of tell us a little bit, uh, you know, the highs and lows there. Well, so what happened was, um, based on his numbers, you know, from previous years, because North Carolina was under a pilot program uh, from the 2014 Farm Bill, mm -hmm. that um, people in, in growing hemp for CBD were, you know, potentially making a million dollars a year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we came down to the farm, and we continually have had pressure from developers. This this particular uh, piece. Of has been in our family for 245 years. Mm -hmm. And we're, since we're right outside of Charlotte, uh, land prices just keep going through the ceiling. There's your million um, dollars right there. Yeah, way over that. Uh, <laughs> so, but we didn't want to sell. Um, the guy who came over on the boat, um, Peter Finger, uh, is buried on, on the farm. His original homestead is on the farm. Oh. Uh, I'm actually in the process right now of building a 1700s or rebuilding a 1700s virginia log cabin to go on the original log cabin site nice. so uh, it'll look out over the original pond it'll look out over uh or we'd be right beside the original spring house but anyway we, we we wanted to continue to try to keep the farm in agricultural use so we could afford to keep it to ward off um you know, the continued pressure from developers coming out of Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And um, so we came down here and we cleared off 10 acres uh, that had not been uh, farmed uh, in about 30 years. Uh, we did that specifically because we didn't want to have issues with pesticides or herbicides, uh, residuals, uh, heavy metals, anything that potentially could uh, pose a problem on a final test. Mm -hmm. So we, um, we cleared it off. We went and spent, you know, uh, again, about a quarter of a million 
um, doing this. We cleared off the land. We built a greenhouse. We put in a 700-foot solar-powered well. We solar-powered the, um, the greenhouse. We uh, did the 3,600-square-foot barn, solar-powered it, um, bought you know an irrigation system so that we could put everything um, you know, on irrigation under plastic with drip um, drip lines. Mm-hmm. We went to town. And 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 and, and who? Uh, what, what was your roadmap to do this? Were you using advisors, or was this something you were just kind of feeling out on your own and and hoping and wishing? Uh, no, um, I had a farmer buddy, um, a, a true farmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he Ron is down in South Carolina, and he grows sixty acres of Carolina Reaper peppers. Um, you know, with with fifteen full time farm hands, and he's mm-hmm. got five hundred acres of uh, peach trees. I mean, he's he's legit. Mm-hmm. Ron just said, "Joe, it's very easy. If you feed it and you water it, it'll grow." Okay. So uh, everybody thought that I was crazy because we were actually planning initially on doing ten acres, so about sixteen thousand plants, um, and we ended up. Where we were going to grow, we grew about ten thousand. We grew um, a few hundred in the greenhouse, uh, about another fifteen hundred in a patio grow, which was under, uh, you know, like sunshade. Mm-hmm. And then we had uh, about another eighty two hundred or so in the field. And which of those three turned out the best for you? Which ones were you most happy with? Uh, the, the field grow. Okay. Um, so anyway, we grew all this, and we actually got it under contract for a guy to buy it. Mm-hmm. A, a lab up in Conover was going to buy it, and um, we had a letter of intent. So we were all excited. You know, we were going to basically make most of our money back on that first year, and and I didn't want to build a brand. All I wanted to do was to farm. And um, the day that we were supposed to, to deliver this three thousand pounds worth of biomass. Um, I called the lab and I said, yo, I'm on my way. Uh, well, don't bother. Uh, we decided we're not going to take it. <laughs> I said, well, that's kind of a problem. Call us back in a month. We might take it then. Oh. So call back in a month. And that was, let's see, so that's November into December of 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they said, no, we're not going to take it again. So we uh, called back in a month. Nothing. And again, nothing. So finally, I said, well, we got to do something. Um, I couldn't couldn't really put any more money in the program. So we decided that, uh, and I say we, basically me. Mm-hmm. Decided, As CEO. Um, yeah, we, we were basically going to pivot over to be a brand. And so we took some of the biomass. We had it converted to CBD oil. Uh, winterized crude and distillate and isolate and we started out with lotions salves tinctures gummies and uh pre-rolls mm-hmm. and then delta eight shows up and so we were in about six stores and so delta eight uh, was showed up a little bit and so we made one bait cart tank green dream and we made a 20 milligram d8 gummy mm-hmm and uh, then all of a sudden we went to uh, 30 stores and 35 stores. Hmm. And we 
went from there, and we got three more mm-hmm. uh, vape parts, and then we went to a 40-milligram D8 gummy. And, you know, we're at 60 stores. Uh, but we were having all this stuff white-labeled, and we were, we were losing margin on white-labeling. So uh, one of my employees said, dude, we can do this. Let's just bring everything in-house. Okay. So it just so happened that the lab that bailed on us had folded. Okay. And they literally were throwing stuff away, like Pyrex <laughs> glass, super sacks, postal machine, you know, like, like the, oh. the postal machine that were the packaging tape machine. Right. Uh, just, just all kinds of stuff. They were just basically throwing or giving or selling very cheap. So we, we went down there and picked up a bunch of stuff, and we built out our own clean room. And then we were now semi-vertical. Um we went out and bought a cart filling machine, uh, made our own gummy molds. All of our gummies, by the way, are all in the shape of a Christmas tree because of alpines. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's twofold. One, we do it because that distinguishes our gummies from anybody else's gummies, right? Okay. Everybody else is either a square or some sort of little drop-looking thing. Um, but we continue to um, just gradually grow um and, and we're successful in that first obstacle, which was the CBD industry uh, tanked in 2020 because everybody and their grandmother jumped on that farm bill. Right. And um, a lot of people quit, you know, or went out of business. Um, a lot of people went out of business because there was uh, no market for, for, for their CBD biomass or their raw crude or their distillate. Mm-hmm. Other out of business because I call these the holy-now people because they were the people that do not believe that Delta-8 or Delta-9 or HHC or GCA derived from hemp. Uh, it's an adulteration of the hemp plant. Okay. Well, well that's not what we believe uh, by any stretch of the imagination because when I signed up, I didn't sign up for CBD. I signed <laughs> the 140-some cannabinoids that, that plant has in it. Gotcha. Um, likewise, um, the marijuana side of things, you know, those guys are signed up for Delta 9. Well, I didn't sign up for Delta 9. I don't want to sign up for Delta 9. I've signed up for the 140-some cannabinoids in this plant. Mm-hmm. Um, so as it continued to progress, we were now vertical, and uh, we've now grown to... 10 uh, employees, uh, almost 400 retail stores we sell to, um, and we just opened up our first flagship store. Uh, we, we moved into an old Napa paint store mm-hmm. and completely renovated it. Uh, all LED lights, all epoxy floors, updated electric, updated plumbing, updated mechanical, and we used the mixing room as our clean room. The paint storage facility is our packaging and um, sales offices. And then, of course, because it was a map of paint store, they had stuff up front. That became our, um, you know, our first retail location. Uh, and that's kind of set the tone for us for 2024 uh, on continued growth via uh, more retail stores as well as um, large-scale 
out-of-state distribution. See, we, we sell it in North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Tennessee, and Georgia right now. Okay, that was my next question. Were all those stores in North Carolina, or are you working regionally or nationally? We're, we're a regional brand. Okay. You know, we, we've done this. Uh, I have sales reps that are on the road every day um, selling and delivering orders, uh, but we've grown this um, very organically, grassroots, old-school in that you just get out and go. You know, you, there's no magic bullet on e-commerce traffic to your site. There's no magic bullet on going out and getting one big distributor. Um, you know, it's kind of like if you want to sell into Walmart or you want to sell into Target or uh, Macy's. Before they even any of these big multi-chain retailers would look at you from a brand standpoint, they're going to say, okay. How many stores are you already in? Because we don't know that you can. We we can even sell your product. So the buyer or the or the uh, DMM, the merchandise manager, they're gonna they're gonna look to see if you got any short track record uh, on sales and production. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in order to do that, you have to get in the trenches, and you just you know, no pun intended here, get in your row and hoe. <laughs> uh, that's what we've been doing for, uh, for for almost five years. Uh, we, we have a very simple you know, motto that we try to make consistent product, a quality product, and offer consistency and quality of our customer service. And by executing on those really those three things, that has um, you know, been uh, paramount in, 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 our, in our growth. Um, now let's talk about the 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 farm bill. This the, you were able to to launch all this based on the 2018 farm bill, that is expiring here uh, this month or next the end of the month uh, or, or maybe next month. But uh, nonetheless, it's expiring, and they'll probably do some sort of continuation on that until we get to a, uh, a 2023 farm bill. How do you think uh, now? Now the the they've changed the definition of hemp, or they're trying to change that definition. Can you talk about that and and how that'll affect farmers like yourself? Uh, it is extremely stressful. Um, I, I feel that it's anti-capitalism. I feel that it's anti-entrepreneurship. I feel that it's uh, anti-American. Um, you don't go out and set a, have a set of rules in place mm-hmm. and. Five years later, an industry has emerged, and that industry then is under attack from an illegal industry federally, which via the the marijuana guys, Mm -hmm. they don't like hemp-derived intoxicating cannabinoids uh, because it's not our fault that when you signed up for D9 in Colorado or Michigan or Oklahoma that the states imposed severe restrictions on you where you can't make any money Mm -hmm. that's not our problem but when you go and you lobby congress um both the senate and the house um you're not even a legal federal industry and you are trying to make illegal a legal federal industry and then you are talking about things like uh children are getting you know um into, into D8 and D9 products. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, children have been getting into alcohol, have been getting into cigarettes, have been getting into it. They can find a way. But for you to go and testify in front of Congress and say that these these products are not kept safely away from children 
It is a blatant lie. Every store that we sell to because of the PACT Act, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not familiar with the PACT Act, that's the Vape Act. Makes everything 21, all right? Or alcohol, 21. Right, no different than so, a liquor store, sure. No, so, so every store, n- nobody's selling to, to, to 14-year-olds or 16-year-olds. They're, they're just like anything, there's going to be a few bad players, but as the industry as a whole, it's not. Or to say that bathtub gin uh, or D8 is the bathtub gin of, of um, you know, the hemp world. Well, it's not. Um, it, it has some analgesic and some pain relieving or analgesic properties, some more relaxation properties, and it's different than D9, and there's a market for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so if you come out and you say that, then, then, then what's your fix for it? Um, then they say, well, you can make it with pool chemicals. Okay, well, guess what? You, you, you're also, and, and the FDA says it's unsafe. Well, if we think about this, Delta 9 is illegal. Delta 8 is deemed unsafe, but so is CBD by the FDA. Right. Where we are right now, CBD is still illegal to put into, according to the FDA, anything consumable for, for humans. Mm-hmm. So when they go, it's all fear-mongering because they want to have the definition of hemp-derived cannabinoids changed. But we are of the opinion that you do not go out, set up a set of rules, and then five years later, after an industry is merged, move the goalpost. We're not opposed to regulation, you know, uh, proper proper packaging, proper testing, proper labeling. You know, we, we, we carry uh, we carry product liability insurance on all mm-hmm. of our products. Mm-hmm. Um, and the insurance companies basically dictate to us real quick, you know, you must say, you know, do not operate heavy equipment, do not breastfeed, right. um, consult your doctor. Then we put all the ingredients in there. We put the supplemental, uh, supplemental facts for caloric intake, uh, daily values on what you're eating, you know, if you've got any vitamins in it. Um, so, so we do everything uh, the way it's supposed to be done. And granted, there are some bad players out there, but don't go, um, don't go and demonize and potentially. Uh, Well, you know, it would be the same as, as, as maybe equating people who are brewing their own beer illegally or whiskey or bootlegging to a liquor That's store. Right. I mean, there's, there's a big difference. There are laws in place. You pay for the, 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 the fees and, and, and through the government taxes, things like that. So, again, if you're doing it in a legal way, that this, this, this is crazy that, as you said, they're trying to change this five years in. So what do you see this doing to somebody like yourself if, if they get it the way they want it? Uh, it? It potentially would put us out of business. And, and, and how many other farmers that can, could be able to sustain this sort? I mean, would they be able to stay in business or would this pretty much wipe out uh, everybody like you? This would devastate the hemp industry. And who would uh, benefit from that devastation? Medical marijuana. Okay. And, and, and that's, and that, that's the, the head of this snake then? Uh, so, some. All right. So, so as an example, too. Um, there's some guys that have testified in front of Congress. There's one uh, guy over in Kentucky who's some 
fiber guy slash CBD fella, and he's one of the holier in nows, and he thinks that CBD you know, um, is, is the, the way, but not any other cannabinoids derived from him. Mm-hmm. Well, they're publicly traded, but their, their company loses money, okay? Mm-hmm. If you look at most marijuana companies, they lose money, right? They know how to grow it. They know how to spend investor money or private equity money, but then they don't know how to become profitable. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. They have too many, um, you know, too many regulations on them. either here or there. Um, those two two industries, and and the one and the, this this one particular fellow said uh, that oh, it'll open up the door for multi-chain retailer and larger retail stores to carry hemp-derived CBD products. From corporate-produced facilities. Correct. Well, he, he's, he's, and again, this shows how smart this clown is, because we're not getting in Walmart, okay? Mm-hmm. Any, any, any regional brand like us, we're not going to get in Walmart. Nature's Own, as an example, was already in Walmart, right? The, the yellow supplement vitamin guys that are everywhere in every grocery store. Well, they already got an end cap in every store, mm-hmm. right? Well, okay, all they got to do is create one SKU and add the SKU in, and the buyers will pick that right up because they already got an end cap with their, you know, amino acids or their fish oils or their vitamin B or vitamin D or multivitamin or whatever, right? That's not happening. So you, in essence, would take someone like Alpine's, who's a regional brand, over a million dollar year company, and I've worked at this hard over the past four and a half years, and we're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you, on a larger scale, you look at 3G, okay? 3G um, out of, what is it, Illinois? Mm-hmm. They're on the side of, of a NASCAR or a Winston Cup car or a Nextel Cup or whatever it's called now. Uh, they spend millions of dollars on that sponsorship. And they basically say they sell D8, D9, THCA, intoxicating cannabinoids from hemp. Mm-hmm. They're done. Um, mm-hmm. CBDMD which is based in Charlotte. Um, the majority of their stores are actually, or were, um, not vitamin huts. Um, I forget the stupid uh, um, retail chain they're in. Uh, GNC. Okay. Uh, GNC. So, but a lot of their revenue is derived from D8 and D9 hemp-derived products. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, again, public trading. Well, it would throw the industry on its head. Uh, we would be able to uh, uh, potentially rebound, but it would be extremely difficult. And that is why, if you think back when we look at this historically, um, D8 is banned in Nevada, right? Mm-hmm. Even though D8 is federally legal right now, and we have, we have an Arkansas uh, federal court case, and the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals with Cake, which is a, a another hemp-derived brand, uh, being held their their um, oh shucks, what do you call it? Uh, their trademark lawsuit was upheld. Mm-hmm. You can't have a trademark on something if you have an illegal product. Uh-huh. So we have multiple uh, judicial rulings that Delta Eight is legal. Well. Early on, they all started coming in. The medical and recreational guys came in, lobbied state legislators to ban D8 mm-hmm. because it was it was taking away from, you know, their their revenue. Right. Uh, and again, they would fear monger. 
Well, mm. you know, they'd say that D8 is, again, made with pool chemicals. Well, guess what? You can make D9 from pool chemicals. Mm-hmm. And you can make, you can use um, solvents uh, that aren't good for human consumption when you're making CBD mm-hmm. uh, or, or CBD isolate or CBD distillate. But that's why you test. And that's why any lab out there is going to go send their stuff off for testing because whoever buys it, you don't trust the lab. So you, you, we, they know we're going to go test it again. And, and so a lab is not going to go out there necessarily and sell junk product. Now, again, there's going to be probably some exceptions to the rule and some bad sure. players. Sure. But, again, it goes back to fear-mongering that would potentially allow them to change this rule all to placate companies that cannot figure out how to make money even though they have a set of guidelines already in place, whether it be the CBD guys, the holier now guys, or the um, um, medical marijuana guys. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, Let me just preface on the CBD side of things. We make CBD products. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just don't do it. We do CBD, HHC, uh, THCA, Delta 8, and Delta 9. Um, we, we don't do much with CBN, CBC, CBG, uh, THCV, THCO, uh, no THCP completely. But, you know, again, we look at cannabinoids derived from that hemp plant. Well, it's BS that they legalize all this, right? Any isomer, uh, analog, derivative, salt, compound derived from hemp is legal, right, per mm-hmm. 2018. Now we're going to come back in five years later and say, oh, no, no, we can't do that. We're going to say, oh, but these aren't legal coming from the hemp plant, but these are. So where do you see this? How do you see this playing out, Joe? I mean, if you had a crystal ball, do you think this might play in your favor or are you expecting the worst? Well, I mean, you have to expect the worst. Mm-hmm. If, if, if uh, hope for the best, expect for the worst. So if they change the law, you know, and then they do a total THC, which would completely ban THCA, mm-hmm. um, so then, then then you can't do a THCA smokable flower. Um, if you ban the total milligrams in in stuff or limited the milligrams of D8 or D9 or HHC, um, that that would be very very problematic for you know, a multi, multi-billion dollar industry now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just to give you an idea, they've opened up a can of worms. All right, so think about Facebook, Meta, uh, Google, right? All this open source coding. Well, we haven't studied this plant in 80 years, right? 90 years, since the 20s, almost 100 years. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden, you have all these people that are looking at this rule and, and, and the guidelines, and they're figuring out how to make money off of it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't me that figured out how to put Delta 8 into a gummy or a vape card. It was some other guy somewhere else, and then it called on. Then the same with the DI, same with the THCA, same with HHC. Sure. But all this has, has been through multiple people that don't even know each other. Mm-hmm basically creating apps okay think mm-hmm. about the free app free app free app so everybody's open source making everything better 
And now right. you're trying to cut out all of that open source that we've already done and making that illegal. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. So we go in, and we were talking about this yesterday. So they go in to your point on changing the guidelines. One of the things that's been floated out there is 1%, right? So a total THC of 1% in the plant. Hmm. Well, I just had my federal, uh, the FDA out here to test my crop, and we passed. Hmm. So this year we planted about, we only planted about two and a half acres. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we base our planting based on raw goods and sales forecast for the following year. Uh, okay. So, so like right now, that'll make me around probably to all said and done 100 kilos or so of mm-hmm. the isolate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I already have, you know, 60 kilos at eight, uh. 60 kilos at nine. So since we're vertical from really from farm to cabinet or farm to face, um, you know, we, we grow based on our, our vertical integration model. There you go. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so he came out and he tested, and we came in at point two, two or some right. Two, so there's no way to get to point one under under point three, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Under point three, so now they're talking about making it one percent. Mm-hmm. Oh, one percent. I'm so, okay. One one percent. All right. Well, so if they do turn around and make that one percent, well, then I'll change up my genetics. Right. Right. And then I'll change up my genetics, and I'll have that man come out here, and I'll be right under that 1%. Right. And then per their new their rule, right, since we are no longer under North Carolina pilot program, we're under the FDA, or excuse me, the USDA, I'll change my genetics, and I'll have a plan out here that I'll get past, I'll wait my 30 days, and I'm not at 1% anymore. I'll be at 10%. Mm-hmm. THC. Hmm. Right. Okay. So here you go. Smart people out there that want to ban everything and make it hard on us. So how are you then going to allow me to grow hemp, put me at 1%. We do the same federal testing guideline right. of 30 days, and I can have a plant that's going to go from 1% up to 10, 11% in that 30 day window for harvest. Mm-hmm. Now, according to the USDA, I still have hemp, ah, mm-hmm. but for the DEA, I got ten percent THC. I got marijuana, right? But that's, that's the rub as it is right now. Mm. So my plants at, at USDA at point two, right? A month from now, they're going to be fourteen percent CBD, oh. uh, and then they'll be one and a half percent THC. So, Joe, as we wrap this up. What's the answer? How is this? How, how are we able to keep this from from going in that direction? That basically just puts you puts the little guy out of the market. Not that you're a little guy, but compared to conglomerates and the uh, marijuana companies, uh, you know, there's a difference there. So, what, what what's the plan? And and how do you see this thing? You know, in a nutshell, here shaking out. You, you, regulation. You need very simple guidelines from Congress. And Congress needs to tell the FDA to get off their hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't use that term if we weren't on the radio. <laughs> sure. <laughs> get off of their hands. And they need to regulate. They need to put out very simple labeling guidelines, supplemental facts, ingredients, name of the business, mm-hmm. address business, website, 
um, warning labels, everything that a recreational or medical marijuana company already does or a nutraceutical company mm-hmm. or a supplement company does, you require. Mm-hmm. And then it fixes itself with very, very little effort. Right, okay. Uh, so, so, But the easiest thing for them to do is just immediately go out there and blanket state, state it and ban it all, which, again... Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me, and it shows the state of of where our political system is. Uh, not only is there gridlock, you know, left and right side of the aisle, but in essence, it's pay to play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, with, with some of the Supreme Court rulings on PAC money, you know, you have big time players coming in under the radar and funding our elected officials coffers and they don't have to report it uh via their political action committee contributions right and um they are they're they're working um i hate to say in the weeds but they are doing things behind the scenes politically that are detrimental um to thousands i mean it would be my 10 employees but, you know, 3G, uh, I don't know exactly how many they have. Mm-hmm. I've heard at around 300 employees. Right. You know, and then, and then, and then uh, CBDMD being publicly traded, I think they're running around 100 and some employees as well. Plus, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of OTC bulletin board companies right. that are in, in the hip space. Um, there, there's potentially, you know, again, a, um, you know, a, a bad I – mean, it would be a bad day for overall the hemp business. Okay, once again, speaking with Joe Fox. Joe is the CEO of Alpine's Hemp in North Carolina. And again, Joe, it, I, I wish we had more time to go further in depth with this. You're, you're obviously very knowledgeable on this, and, and every topic that you're touching on here is, is certainly of interest to, to our listeners. So I do want to get you back on here, especially after the farm bill, and hopefully we've got some good news for, for farmers like yourself. Well, yes, and, and what I would say in closing is reach out to your local congressman, uh, your state or your federal senator, and your state reps as well, mm-hmm. and, and, and and don't be afraid to follow traditional United States Republic you know, thought process and try to get in touch to air your concerns with your elected officials. Um, that's really the only way that we can do this is as an industry everybody needs to come together and try to you know convey their concerns to you know our elected officials all right excellent once again joe fox alpines hemp and they can find you at alpineshemp.com correct yes sir all right excellent alpineshemp.com again joe thanks so much i wish we had more time i hate to cut you off but gotta let you go but i will be uh, back in touch with you and we're going to get you back on here and do some follow-up because you've got some great uh, information for us out there please do and it doesn't have to be after the farm bill if you want somebody to talk for 30 minutes just call me i can do that you're the man <laughs> all right joe thank you so much and you have a great one Thank you, you too. Bye-bye. And that is going to do it for this edition of the Midwest Hemp Council audio podcast. I'm your host, Jason Dozier. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you on the next one. So long, everybody.